to everybody to uh, February Cabinet meeting. Um, there, we do have uh, one public speaker on item 22 of the agenda, uh, an observer for item 25 on the agenda. So I don't know, I know of those two. I don't know whether the people in the back row are here just to observe the whole meeting or whether there's a particular item that you're interested in. Just a, that's fine. So what I'll do is, after we've gone through the preliminaries of um, minutes, matters arising, etc., I will take item 22 and 25. You're very welcome to stay for the whole meeting, but it, I, I sense there are uh, 26 items on the agenda, and uh, we'll try and keep up good pace, but uh, it could be a, a, a longish evening. So after um, item 3, uh, sorry, after item 7... We will take item 22. I think that's um, Mrs. Atwood, yep. Ms. Atwood, sorry, yep. Okay, so item one apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Um, Chairman, could I declare an interest in number 25 affordable housing contributions, in as much as the report makes reference to Essex County Council? Thank you. No other matters. Item two, minutes of the last meeting. Are they a true record? Okay, thank you. Matters arising on those minutes. Um, CA 69 to 71. 72 to 74. 75. 76. 77 to 79. Councillor Redfern. Um, on um, number seven, 78, um, I'd just like to um, ask Councillor Lodge if he would mind taking my apologies to Councillor Blight because I did say that I would send her some information on um, cost of bed and breakfast and I have to be honest, I completely forgot that until I looked at this. Um, uh, well, I have got an answer. It's £55 a night. But if she wants the full information of how, how many people we send and what we do, we have to report to the government anyway. So if she just contacts um, Ros or Judith in the housing department, they'll send her what we send to the government. So uh, my apologies for that. It was just an oversight. OK, item 80. Good. Well... Well done, Maggie. No queries on your minutes. <laughs> right, thanks very much. They'll be duly signed. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Item four, questions or statements from non-executive members of the council. Item five, matters referred to the executive. Item six, reports from performance and audit and scrutiny. Oh, there is an apology. Edward Oliver sends his apology. Um, Councillor Howell, do you want to try and remember what was said at performance and audits, just for the benefit of Cabinet? I think you were there. I'll try and support you. Um, yes, I was there. I took great interest in it. Uh, it we met the new um, audit partner from EY who attended for the first time, whose name completely escapes me, but it will come back to his moment we move on from this subject. Sure, Mr Webb can furnish us with the name. <laughs> right, OK, let's move on. Mark. <laughs> and he seemed a very able replacement or successor to Debbie Hansen. 
we had a very interesting conversation uh, around the audit fees, the audit program for the forthcoming year. Um, quite an extensive discussion on the performance indicators, um, and we had a, a very a cat attended to talk about waste um, recycling rates, which was very well received. Uh, and it was an interesting conversation. I'm very sorry. I think that was probably the extent of, uh, the, extent of the meeting, but it was a very good meeting. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. And uh, scrutiny, Councillor Dean. I'll come on to the budget later, if that uh, is all right, Mr Chairman, rather yep. than covering that now. Uh, a couple of other points at that meeting to mention. We, um, we had um, a speaker from um, Saffron Walden Town Council who raised um, a number of matters in a, in a written uh, piece of evidence. This was in relation to the um, Kia planning appeal of some, I don't know when it was, 18 months ago or whenever. Um, the, although the committee last Tuesday uh, didn't uh, decide to proceed with a task and finish group, there are certainly issues raised here which uh, you know, do need to be addressed, and I'm not going to talk about them now, but um, sufficiently to say I'll be um, looking into how we will um, take this forward because there are, you know, there are important, I, I might call them allegations, which have been made which clearly can't be um, swept under the carpet, but that, I think that's for the future. But just, just to say the matter is, is, is ongoing. Uh, the, um, the, other, the only other item that I'm going to mention is we took a, um, a, a piece of business which wasn't on the agenda, in other words, under urgent business to uh, decide to bring forward or to kick off at last Tuesday's meeting rather than waiting until March finding out about the proposed building control partnership that the council is uh, going to be considering entering into uh, between now and the council meeting that starts in Australia will be held in March. Uh, Councillor Harris and I will be making inquiries so we simply understand uh, what it's about and then when the committee uh, deliberates on it in March at least, uh, two of us will uh, be, be informed. In fact, I, I'm waiting for Mr. Harborough to come back to me to when I can meet him uh, on just to understand his side of the story. I do, we do have a meeting set up next week with the, uh, some of the staff representatives. If you remember, uh, Councillor Rolf, the, the matter actually came up at the, most, the recent uh, joint committee with, between management and staff, and so that triggered bringing forward the discussion because I, I felt it was too late to wait until the March meeting to start thinking about it, particularly if there is a, um, a need for, for the Cabinet or the Council to be making, reaching some conclusion in March or early April. So that's, that's all I have. The, the rest yeah, of the... I believe the decision... Is, is this correct, Mr Harper? We have to make a decision by the end of March? No, Colchester have confirmed that um, a decision on the 7th of April would suit the programme. Um, the rest of the meeting, most of the rest of the meeting anyway, was taken up with discussions on the 
budget papers that you have with you tonight, so I'll save that until we okay. get onto that. But um, probably the best thing is for me just to run through some of the highlights of what we'll discuss there before you, before you start to okay. discuss your papers, if that's all right. All right. Thank you very much indeed. Item 7, Refugee Working Group. Thank you. Um, just a brief update. Um, as you know, we did offer some properties to... Um, for refugees in the area. They weren't at the time considered suitable, the facilities weren't right for the families that were coming at that time. These properties have now been re-let um, as obviously we have plenty of um, people on our own waiting list including I think one of them has been let to um, someone who's a family that were homeless. Um, but in the, the more information we've just had is that um, there's expected to be about 500 refugees arriving across the country between um, January and the end of March um, so it, we don't know whether there's obviously not very many going to individual um, councils um, and then they're talking about potentially 500 individuals arriving um, per month across the UK up from April onwards um, but this hasn't actually been confirmed yet we have um, offered or we have another property that we've, um, we've been in contact with Essex County Council about to see, um, to see if it's suitable and they are, before we actually put it forward to the Home Office they need to check whether we're going to, that the facilities, the education, the health and everything is suitable in that location. Um, so I'll update you when, when we know more of that. Um, and um, just that um, Mrs Millership and I are attending um, conference I think it's on the 3rd of March so hopefully we will get some more information um, from well, I think looking at the emails we've got everyone's hoping to get more information from them but I will um, feed that back at the next camera. I think the only refugees in Essex so far in Colchester is that correct? Do we know how they're getting on? I know they were trying not to over publicise so that they could settle down into a normal life but do we have it? Well um, Mrs Millership did go to a sort of follow up meeting, I don't know if Roger was there as well but um, did go to a follow up meeting from it and um, it, it did seem that everything had worked pretty smoothly is my understanding but I don't know if Roger's got anything further to add to that but I understand it worked quite well. Okay. That's fine. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, as could I said, we're now just slightly... Could I, could I just ask a question? Is the, the, the council set up a... I forget what it was, a task and finish group or what it was, but is that still functioning? I don't... I don't I've no idea how many times it's met or anything. Councillor Redfern? Um, it's the refugee working group, and um, we haven't met very many times, although every time something changes, I do email them to tell them what's going on. But at the moment, we haven't actually got anything to really get our... Um, teeth into but hopefully once we've been to this in March I'll, I'll call them together again but I mean everyone is very keen to do something but we're not getting we haven't been asked or we're offering but we're not being asked to do anything back at this moment Okay thank you so as I said we'll slightly change the agenda so we'll do uh, agenda item 22 which is assets of community value that Councillor Barker will take us through um, what we normally do is to hear from the presentation uh, so you understand the context that we're talking about and then um, we look forward to hearing from yourself. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, we have had a further two applications for premises to be included on the assets of community value list. As you will recall, an asset is of community value if in the opinion of the local authority 
Either the current use furthers the social well-being or interests of the local community, and it is realistic to think that at some time in the next five years, the asset will further the social well-being or social interests of the community, or that there was a time in the recent past when a building or land had furthered the social well-being or interests of the community, and it is realistic to think that in the next five years, the building or land has furthered, had furthered the social well-being or interests of the community. The first asset tonight is the Elmden Dial Public House, which was nominated by the North West Essex Campaign for Real Ale. The application has been assessed and officers believe that it has in the recent past furthered the social well-being of the community. And it is reasonable to think that in the next five years it could further the social well-being or interests of the community. And therefore recommend that it is included on the register. The second application relates to the Green Man at Takeley Street. Again, the nomination was made by the North West Essex Campaign for Real Ale. This nomination was made in order to protect the Green Man as a public house, but the use has recently changed from a pub to a cafe and guest house. The premises licence was surrendered. Chairman, since this report was written, there has been an application for a premises licence at the Green Man, and in these circumstances, it is reasonable to believe that the licence may well be granted and that the Green Man will benefit the social well-being or social interest of the community in the next five years. The recommendation, therefore, is not what is on your papers, but the recommendation is that the Elmden Dial and the Green Man Takeley Street are both added to the list of community assets. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Uh, Ms. Atwood. Thank you. Um, I believe my submission has been circulated. I don't therefore want to use my three minutes to read it out, but simply to pull out some key salient facts. The camera submission was wholly inaccurate. I'm not in debt, heavily or otherwise, I'm not unemployed. And most importantly, I am not trying to sell the Elmden Dial for residential use. I am committed to selling it as a pub and have been committed to that. My late partner and I were committed to that when we bought the pub. Secondly, I note that this um, application came from camera. Um, Although there are two representatives of the Parish Council behind me, um, no other person except one individual has made any representation. This is not a community-based request. This is a request solely from camera. As I understand the um, purpose of an ACV, it would allow for the community to band together and make an offer to buy the pub. That facility has been available since I um, put the pub on the market. At no time has anybody ever come to me and said we'd like to buy it and join together. I would be delighted to consider that, but nobody has come to that. Most fundamentally, and most, I think, uh, the saddest thing here, is that uh, since the ACV uh, nomination was made, I was about to be able, and I was in close negotiations with someone who would have been a very good purchaser, who didn't want to convert it to residential, um, wanted to purchase it. As soon as he saw the ACV, he said, I don't want to have my financial backers don't want this. They don't want to have an ACV hanging over them. So we're back to square one. We're back to the pub being closed with the potential now that it could be closed for much longer because of this moratorium and subsequent period. And I genuinely don't understand how that assists the village. As I said, I am committed to trying to find the right owner and I've been committed to that all through. I've had it properly and professionally marketed by Florets, who are, as you know, a professional pub marketing company. And um, I've been committed to trying to find the right person. Indeed, I've actually deterred people who I thought were trying to go for residential change of use. Um, I think you have all the powers you need. As far as I can see, you're not 
um, you're very keen to exercise your powers. If somebody wanted to do a change of use to residential, you already have the powers for that, um, and you were um, you know, um, able, and, and rightly so, to use those powers to ensure that I wasn't living on the premises when it was closed. So I don't see that you need the ACV for that um, additional power. As I say, fundamentally, all this will do is uh, delay, delay the pub being reopened. You know, with spring now or coming up to summer, it's going to be closed again for however long. And I don't think that really benefits anybody. I would be happy to take questions. Well, thank you very much uh, for your presentation. I'm not sure that all of us have had an opportunity to, um, to read your submission, but we, we, we thank you for that um, and, and have just heard what uh, you have said. Um, it is, I, I must stress that um, where there is a, a single pub in a community, it is normal that it has become an asset of community value in Uttlesford. Um, and there are many, many examples of that. And as you indicate in your words, um, this does not, this only delays a process, it does not uh, stop a process. Uh, so I'm surprised that any potential buyers would be put off by that because it doesn't substantially change the, um, uh, the equity uh, or the status of the equity. Um, Similarly, uh, you know, we can ask questions of you, but I, Mr. Harbour is an expert on assets of community value, and if you wanted to uh, ask of him any other further details, but it would be normal practice for Uttlesford uh, for the sole um, pub, and, and, and indeed, I think in Elmden, the, so, the sole sort of community feature um, was not an asset of community value. But uh, I look to my colleagues to comment. Um, Councillor Sorry, can I just ask a question then? Would it be normal for the parish council or for a community group to put themselves forward and say this is our, this is our community asset, we would like it listed? Uh, sure, that's one route, but it's, it's multiple routes that it comes through, but I absolutely take your point on that. Um, Councillor Redfern. Thank you. Um, as you know, I am the, um, or one of the members for um, Elmden, and I... Um, I think that um, the parish council are supportive of this application and they would like to see it um, as an asset of community value. As you've already stated, it doesn't, it doesn't stop the property from being sold. And my experience is, is um, we had this, a similar situation in Great Chesterford where I live, where our village shop was registered as an asset of community value. And um, it had been closed for some time and the someone wanted to buy it and they were concerned about the fact that it was an asset of community value and I was told that we had to get the agreement of the parish council and it could, the process could be speeded up if they made it clear that they were not intending to, there was no community group coming forward to purchase and so we were able to, um, or the, own, the, the sale was able to go through more speedily because of that. So I think it's fair to say that unless I'm completely wrong, Mr Perry, that it doesn't um, stop the sale of a property. But I have been told that the Parish Council and, and also contacted by other members of the community that they would like to see this um, go through as an asset of community value and I would, I would um, urge the committee to support um, that request from, from the community as it is the last pub in that village. Just for clarification from either Mr Harbour or Mr Perry, it is a two-stage process as I understand that the first stage is, um, is the community wanting to put together a, a, a bid and then they have longer if that is the intention. Can you just clarify that point please? 
Chairman, yes, there's a six-week moratorium to enable the community to indicate they want to be treated as a bidder, and if they exercise that right, then there's a six-month period for them to arrange the finance to complete the transaction. I'd like to make one point, please, Chairman, and draw your attention to paragraph 9 of the report, um, and the third and fourth bullet points. That lays down the test which you have to apply. If you are satisfied there was a time in the recent past when the building was used um, to further the social well-being and interest of the community, and you think it's realistic that in the next five years it can again further the social well-being or interest of the community, you don't have a discretion. If you're satisfied on those two points, you have to list it. Okay, anybody else wish to speak on this? Okay, fine. Yeah. So, for the benefit of those listening, a gentleman has just indicated he's not a representative, but we do have a representative of the Parish Council here. Um, okay, if there are no other comments, did you want to make a, any final comment? Um, I understand the technical point that uh, Mr. Perry has just said. I understand the process. I, all I know, and I know from other research that I've read, that actually, in most cases, an ACV does delay a, a subsequent um, uh, purchase. I honestly can't see why anyone would want to delay this anymore. I'm afraid the buyer did want to pull out. Um, that's just the fact of the matter, and we're back to square one, which I think is really sad for everyone concerned when all I have been trying to do is to sell it as a pub. So we are where we are. Okay, well, we wish you well with that sale. Um, I'm going to take this in uh, two items. Um, so those in favour of listing the Elmden Dial as an asset of communicate community value, please show. <coughs> Thank you, that was unanimous. And uh, secondly, the Green Man at Takeley. Have you just talked, you've talked about that as well, haven't you? Yeah. And the yes, Green Man we are looking to list that. Yeah, and we are looking to list that. Those in favour of the Green Man at Takeley, again, unanimous. Thank you for that. Uh, I now move on to item 25, which is a separate uh, item. Um, in terms of those of you who have a book, um, this is the affordable housing contributions, um, and we have a representative uh, from Hasto Homes here today, so we brought this item forward. Um, I have three names. Uh, who would like to talk on this one? It's yeah. Councillor, Councillor Barker. So, okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, you will be aware from the developer contributions guidance um, that is elsewhere on this agenda um, that there are occasions on which the Council requests a financial contribution towards the development of affordable housing in lieu of on-site provision. The appendix to this item sets out recent contributions from places such as Felston School, Churchill Retirement Living and Keers Green Nursery in Aethorpe Roading, among others. With the withdrawal of government grants in the last few weeks on affordable rental schemes, we now need to use some of this money to ensure that these schemes can progress. The scheme which needs support today is a scheme in Chrishall, which will provide four affordable houses. The allocation needed is £28,000 per house, which was the anticipated grant. The scheme has the backing of the Parish Council and will provide much-needed affordable housing in this community. The total cost is 112000 A second scheme for Newport for 34 affordable houses, homes, did manage to get homes and community agents funding and is able to proceed. The third scheme I would like to mention is a scheme in Saffron Walden for residents with learning difficulties, where our housing board recommended that we provide £100,000 towards the scheme. Negotiations are still ongoing between Essex County Council and East Thames Housing over this project, so it is not appropriate to allocate this funding at present, but for this Council to remain open to granting £100,000 in the future. This would evidently be the subject of a future Cabinet report. 
Chairman, I therefore propose the two recommendations. Firstly, that Cabinet approves the allocation of £112,000 towards the delivery of a rural exception scheme in Crishall, and that Cabinet confirms that it remains open to granting £100,000 towards a learning disability scheme in Saffron Walden, but a firm allocation will be premature until funding by East Thames Housing Association and Essex County Council is clarified. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you very much. Anybody wish to talk on this? We have given this quite uh, discussion outside of Cabinet. Anybody? Councillor Riffin. Um, thank you. Um, again, um, Crishaw comes under my new ward, so I am the one of the members for Crishaw. And um, I've been aware of this, obviously, as um, Cabinet Member for Housing, and prior to that with the um, uh, Community and Housing Committee. I think it goes back that far. Um, I, I'm, I would like to see the Crishaw... Um, one progress. They have been very patient waiting for this to happen and so I would really appreciate it if um, Cabinet were minded to support this um, ap uh, application for the 112,000 and as far as um, Everett Road, the um, learning disability scheme goes again. Um, I was really keen to see this um, come forward to Cabinet because if I don't want it to be where we haven't agreed we're going to um, grant this money if the other things are put in place and, and then we haven't done our bit and we delay the um, movement of this scheme that would be a real shame because these families have been waiting quite a long time for this so I um, along with Councillor Barker sort of urge fellow members to support both of these please Thank you very much I don't see any other hands so we'll take again these two recommendations um, individually the first that um, Cabinet approves the allocation of £112,000 towards the delivery of a rural exception scheme in Crishall. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. And that Cabinet confirms that it remains open to granting £100,000 towards a learning disability scheme in Saffron Walden, but a firm allocation would be premature until funding by East Thames Housing Association and Essex County Council is clarified. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Um, we now revert back to um, item 8 on our agenda and I call upon myself to present this. Um, <clears throat> the corporate plan which is an iteration uh, of our previous two plans um, is before you and uh, the recommendation is that the draft corporate plan for 2016 to 21 be approved for submission to full council. I draw your attention to uh, five key points. Um, paragraph 7 refers the increasing emphasis on health and well-being and you'll see that that is a common thread through our new corporate plan um, and something that this council holds in very high um, um, prospect in terms of what we need to do. Uh, in paragraph 8 we've changed slightly uh, our strap line uh, to be a high quality uh, as well as low tax uh, council um, and I think it's important that quality is uh, seen to be um, <coughs> of particular importance. Then in paragraph 9 uh, there are three things I want to draw out and these are found in the subset of, uh, of the actual plan. Thriving communities, um, financial prudence uh, and the delivery of high quality service an iteration of the point I've just made. So um, 
You've obviously read through the corporate plan. I've drawn out those particular points. Any questions? Councillor Dean. The um, scrutiny committee did have uh, one or two comments on this. I think the, the overall view was that, um, or the view that was put forward, was, was that there were not enough outcomes, uh, or putting it another way, it wasn't smart enough. Um, when will, what will happen and when? Uh, and there's a, there's a long list of um, items in the right-hand column. We, we will do this. Um, and, and it doesn't say what. I mean, just picking out one or two, it says, you know, we, we will work closely with the armed forces at Carver Barracks, but, you know, really to what end? And what, what is the, what's the outcome going to be as a result of that working closely? And I could, I could go through the whole thing. I, I don't think I, I, I need to do so. so I, I think that, you know, the, the words, um, I think I use them, but nevertheless I'll repeat them. I, I felt that it was too wishy-washy and, and not smart enough and that um, come either 2017 or for that matter 2021 which is five years on which is when this plan runs will we know whether we've achieved what it was saying because uh, it's not clear what, uh, what the outcomes are that are expected and there's also a degree of <coughs> overlap and maybe that was deliberate uh, health and well-being is mentioned in the second row. It also comes up in the whole of the fourth row. So, so I, I felt it needed more work uh, so that one could say, well, this, you know, this organisation knows where it's going. It knows what it's going to do by when, or at least that's what it intends to do. And then not just others for scrutiny committee, but the, um, the general public can say, uh, well done, you achieved it, or not well done, you didn't achieve it, uh, as, as the case may be. But as I think as things stand at the moment, it's too vague. Thank you. Okay, thank you for that. I draw your attention to paragraph 10, um, that pathways to implementation of the plan will be set out in service plans, which will be monitored by the corporate management team and reported as necessary to the performance and audit committee um, in the quarterly performance reports. And we'll certainly make that happen. Uh, it is not usual in a corporate plan to have detailed um, targets. Uh, as I say, that comes in a separate document. I think this very clearly sets out the direction of the council. Uh, Councillor Howell. Um, thank you, Leader. Um, I, I attended Councillor Dean's scrutiny meeting. Uh, it was a very good debate and discussion around the corporate plan, and, and I think he's quite right that he did make the point that, that there weren't any outcomes, and he thought that it was quite wishy-washy. Um, I think a couple of his members made the point that, that that's not the intention of this document, and echoing the points that you've made, it's how it drives the behaviour of the council going forward that's the important thing rather than the, than what's on the, than the fact that it's a single page. And I, I remember a long time ago charging my marketing department to come up with four phrases that captured a business of £500 million and 5,000 employees. And they had an enormous debate and they came up with five snappy little phrases or four snappy phrases. And on the face of it, it was quite difficult to see how those would gel as part of the, the, the culture of, of a company. But it fed through everything we do. And I would point to Councillor Dean that the phrase about prudence in the way we approach our finances 
is something that I hope will be borne out by the rest of today's meeting. The statement that we are a high-quality, low-tax council will similarly be borne out by all the papers that we address as this meeting goes on. So it's how it influences the rest of our discussions from today going forward rather than the statements as set out. And I, I think that point was made by some of the members of, of, of the Scrutiny Committee. Thank you. Any other comments? Jo Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. Um, first of all, I think, I think it is uh, extremely commendable that it, uh, it, is on, it is on one page, and I understand the process that's going on there. Um, however, though, um, we're already failing quite badly on that. I think uh, effectively consulting is one of the, the main bullets there. I think that the, uh, the previous district plan failed because we, we didn't consult properly. We didn't listen to, um, to what our residents were saying. Uh, and now we're even compounding that by, uh, by not asking as we withdraw one of the consultation processes. So to say that we continue to listen is quite ironic. I think you might take out the continue to and hopefully try to implement it. We've got that item later on the agenda. This council listens very carefully. It is a fully consultative uh, council, but we'll discuss your point later. Um, if there are no other hands, are those in favour of that the draft corporate plan for 2016-21 be approved for submission to full council. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Item 9, Councillor Howell, 2016 budget covering report. Um, thank you, Leader. I, I picked up on a comment that Councillor Dean made earlier that he wanted to defer comments from the scrutiny committee and I don't know whether it would be appropriate to invite him to make those comments at this stage. Yep, fine, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm more than happy to come in with... Uh, the problem is with these papers, we've got so many different papers and things pop up here in, in several places, so um, I, I will probably have to come back on some of them. But the, the first matter that uh, arose on this paper which I think is, is it, are we on item 10? Yes, still it's item 10 for both meetings. Um, was the, the fact that starting on page 34 there's, there's a list of risks of things not be, going to plan, not being achieved um, and and a, and a rating of, of those in terms of probabilities and impact um, and what's the other one, overall risk of budget going off track as a result. Um, the first thing that, um, that, that came up in scrutiny is that the, the one big issue uh, isn't there at all. That's the um, special purpose vehicle that the council's proposing to establish for matters still to be worked out, um, but, but primarily to in, invest council's reserves in something that brings in income. Um, and, and that's not on the list, and, and to me that's one of the biggest risks that the council has in front of it. Um, uh, you know, would, would we be, what are the risks of investing the money in, a, in a, an area where we, we end up losing significant amounts of it. Uh, what, are the, what are the risks associated with 
the council not having the acumen and the, you know, the skills to, to run it. And I know the intention is to set up a, a stand-aside or a stand-alone arm's-length organisation, I think. But there, you know, there are all these factors there. And I, so that the keep, without wanting to, to labour that, I think that, um, I think that that ought to be on that list um, and that, that was raised there. Um, so that, that's, and I think the, the other one relevant to this was, was to, do with, um, to do with underspends um, because obviously here we're talking about robustness of estimates and whether the council comes in on track. The council has had a record over, I don't know, eight years let's say of, of underspending every year um, and, and what, what these papers don't do is um, identify which of those risks and which of those variants are controllable under, our con under the council's own control, responsible for it being overspent or underspent and, and which ones are outside the council's control because for instance, you know, in terms of underspends, they, we, we know that last week we, the, the council was given a, a windfall of getting on for £350,000. It's not even included in these papers. So that potentially is a, an underspend of that order unless something else comes forward um, that you could argue is outside our control. It's nice to have somebody give you something that's outside your control, but nevertheless, you know, it is, and it could be the other way around. So, so those were those, those were general um, comments in terms of how <coughs> we think it was it was said at the scrutiny committee they could be, these these things could be presented um, differently. And I think there was some confusion also. Uh, well, not think I know there was some confusion over. And I won't go into technicalities, but in terms of what, what are low risks and what the impact is, what's high and low in terms of the budget, but I, I won't bother with that. I think that's a technicality that can, can be picked up at a, a later date. I, may I leave it at that for the time being? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, thank you. Uh, first of all, if Councillor Howell is content, I'm perfectly content to put the uh, SPV as, uh, as a risk. Uh, we're not going to invest... Um, large sums of money on the 230 at Newmarket, but um, it is a council... Sorry. Mr Webb. Sorry, can I come in there? We, we took the decision not to put the SPV in at this stage. It will come as a separate report when we are further down the line. It is so embryonic at this stage that we don't have it. So the report that comes to you, which will talk about how we formally set it up, will include all the risks at that stage. Okay, so we're not uh, arguing with the point, um, but it's just about timing. It's the, it's the process, yeah, okay. and that, that point was made. And uh, your second point, I'm sure, um, I'll come to you, uh, I'm sure uh, Councillor Howell will deal with, because it's, it is actually dealt with in the papers anyway. Uh, I saw Councillor Redfern's hand earlier, and um, Councillor Barker wishes to speak. Um, it was clarified at the scrutiny committee that on page 33, paragraph 13, it is set out very clearly what is a high, medium or low risk and this was pointed out at the scrutiny committee that that is how we assess our risks. Okay, back to um, paper 9, um, Councillor Howell. Thank you, Leader. Um, I'm conscious that we have quite a few papers in front of us this evening. Uh, I've had an instruction to keep up the pace. Um, I'm going to break with my normal practice and I've actually got a script 
Um, so our apologies if I sound slightly more wooden than, than usual, but clearly we've got a, quite a lot to get through. I'm going to take it that you have read the papers before this meeting. Um, so although I'm going to draw out some of the key points and highlight the main issues, I do not intend to give a detailed briefing on any of the, the papers themselves. But what I do want to emphasise is that there are eight agenda items, from agenda item 8 through to 15, and they all form part of a single narrative. They, they fit together, as it were. Um, I've made the comment before that the, the clever piece is not about predicting the weather, it's building the ark. It's one of my favourite phrases. And this budget is about starting that process. Um, we face an unprecedented reduction in, in government funding over the next four years. And this budget is intended to be the first part of a four-year plan that addresses these challenges. It takes us through the election of 2019 and beyond. And I don't know who's going to be sitting in this seat in three years' time. But I believe it is our responsibility as the administration not to duck the challenge. Um, we've known for some time that this challenge was coming down the track. What's quite clear now is the scale and the time scale. Um, and I believe that in this budget we have set out a clear plan on how we address things. I'd like to start off, first of all, if you wouldn't mind, by thanking officers. It's been particularly challenging this year, I know. There's been, and I'll use the phrase again, but I think it's, it's right, an unprecedented level of uncertainty around the changing and future funding of this council. So my thanks to, to Adrian, Reb, Adrian Webb and Angela Knight and their teams. Once again, Mrs Knight is here from her sick bed, so thank you very much. Um, I'd also like to thank Councillor Dean. Um, he and his scrutiny committee had a very long and lively and interesting debate and discussion around the budget. Um, I found it very helpful listening to the points. I will try and deal with the points that Councillor Dean has raised, but, and, and I think that we tried to deal at the meeting with the points raised by other members of the, of the, of the committee. What I do need to point out is that there remain some areas of uncertainty even now. The consultation on the new homes bonus, which is item 17 in the papers to today, um, requires us to bring back the medium-term financial strategy, which is item 11, during the course of the summer or early autumn. So, so I'm, I'm afraid, to some extent, some papers are work in progress. They are not the definitive paper. Um, okay, let's start off with item 9. We have a summary here that sets out the papers in front of you. Um, the six reports uh, which, will be, uh, which I recommend we put to full council on the 25th of February and it sets out our financial strategy for the forthcoming 12 months. The papers are as follows. Item 10, um, and I'm taking that the draft corporate plan is already forms part of it and has been agreed. So item 10 deals with the robustness of our estimates and the adequacy of reserves. Um, item 11 deals with our medium term financial strategy. Um, item 12 with our Treasury Management Strategy for 2016-17. Item 13 with, with the Capital Programme um, for 16-17 through to 2021. Item 14 deals with the Housing Revenue Account Budget um, and also our five-year business plan strategy. And item 15 are the General Fund Budget and Council Tax. This paper sets out the purpose of each of those and the recommendation that goes with it. I don't propose to read out the recommendations at this stage. 
it's an item for information, but I will be reading out the, the, the recommendations as we go along. So, <clears throat> if you don't mind, I'll also make reference to the fact that we have an equity impact assessment attached, which demonstrates that we've given consideration to the impact of the budget on minority groups. So, if you're comfortable with this, I'll move straight on to item 10, which is an item for decision. Um, the Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full Council that A, the Council takes account of the advice in the report when determining the 2016-17 General Fund budget and Council tax, B, that the Council approves the risk assessment relating to the robustness of the estimates as detailed in the report, C, that the Council sets the minimum safe contingency level for 2016-17 at 1.234 million, that's an easy number to remember. D, that the uh, attached reserve strategy is adopted. And E, that the Council agrees that no transfers to or from the working balance should be built, built into the 2016-17 budget. This report um, sets out in Section 151 officers formal advice about the risks in the budget and the reserves that we should be maintaining to manage those risks. It's known as the Section 25 report because it follows from Section 25 of the Local Government Act of 2003. Um, the report was reviewed by the Scrutiny Com Committee, and I'm going to be stating the obvious when I say that all budgets contain estimates and assumptions, and there's always some level of risk and variability. That is inevitable. Those risks are set out on pages 34 to 35, and the highest risk, once again, relates to the volatility of costs and income in the Council's waste and recycling services. I'm very conscious of the point that Councillor Dean makes about, about the risks, and the, there was a lively and useful discussion around this at scrutiny, and Councillor Barker is right. The definitions of risks are set out on page 33. Um, I shall, of course, be monitoring this closely, um, and I'll ensure that the Cabinet receives regular updates. The reserve strategy is set out on pages 38 through to 51, and that identifies the purpose and lifespan and the risks associated with each reserve, as set out in Appendix 1 of that paper. The reserve strategy proposes changes to a number of our existing reserves and the establishment of a number of new reserves. So in 2016 and 17, it is anticipated that there will be three new reserves established. The first is a new Homes Bonus Contingency Reserve, and this depends upon the outcome of the consultation, which will not be known until the summer, and it may at that point be necessary for us to establish a reserve to offset the risks around the loss of the new Homes Bonus following planning permission being granted on appeal. Picking up specifically on the point made by Councillor Dean around the Special Purpose Vehicle Reserve, this will enable us uh, enable the formation and funding of a wholly owned company which is able to generate revenue streams for the Council from assets owned by that Special Purpose Vehicle. The funding model on which the Council's finances have been based are changing and we've got to get used to a reduction in funding from central government. The SPV forms part of that strategy, effectively using the next two years to mend the roof while the sun shines. I acknowledge and completely accept the importance of properly structuring the SPV, 
I recognise the importance around its operations is essential for us all to get comfortable with. It's not a discussion for tonight, but we will be bringing back proposals to a future meeting which gives more detail of how it's proposed that the SPV should operate and the government structures around its operations. And I want all councillors to be fully aware, informed and involved in that process. It will work if we all engage in it. I don't want it to become a, a political um, football match, as it were. But we will be funding this new reserve from the Strategic Initiative Fund. The third new reserve being established is a pensions deficit reserve, which will allow the, uh, enable the council to make a three-year advance payment to the pension, to the local council uh, pension scheme, at a discounted rate. Um, we've been advised to maintain our working balance at the current level of 1.234 million uh, and to manage other risks through earmarked reserves. I concur with this advice, which I consider to be sound and well explained, and therefore I would like to move the recommendation on page 31. Thank you very much indeed. Any comments? No, then we will take the recommendation. I won't reread it because it was read out uh, in its entirety. Those in favour of the recommendation at paragraph 4 of item 10. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Now go on to item 11, which is the medium term financial strategy. Um, item 11 on page 53 of your papers today, uh, as you say, is an item for decision. It can, deals with the medium term financial strategy. The recommendation is that Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full council the medium term financial strategy as attached. And again, this report was reviewed by the Scrutiny Committee at its meeting on, on the 9th of February and we had a, a useful discussion around it. <coughs> the purpose of the medium term financial strategy is to look ahead, to anticipate the issues that may arise in the Council's finances and it gives us the longer term visibility that we need to plan for the events that we can anticipate. Again, there's a thread running through this paper, as with all papers. This year's budget should not be viewed in isolation, but as part of that longer-term strategy that I was talking about, to address what we understand will be the evolving financial challenges and backdrop. I'm pleased to say that in 2016-17, the Council is in a strong financial position as a result of a combination of prudent um, financial management over a number of years and also the benefits of the new homes bonus. The medium term financial strategy is based on a number of assumptions. Uh, as you'll be aware, the government has announced its review of the new homes bonus and any changes are due uh, will commence in 2017-18. The results of the consultation will be published in, in the summer and as I've indicated, I'll be bringing back a, revi a revised medium-term financial strategy to, to the Cabinet in the autumn of 2016. Um, item 17 on page 199 um, deals with our responses to that consultation and we'll, we'll deal with that in due course. Um, the impact of the changes to the new homes bonus is likely to be very significant and it's almost certainly it will be detrimental to the finances of the council. The only unknown is frankly the extent of that challenge. To use Donald Rumsfeld's lexicon, it's, it's a known unknown as it were. 
The, the, me, the medium-term financial strategy, however, is predicated on what is believed to be a realistic assumption of an income of £2 million, effectively half of our current level. Um, in addition, a second primary assumption based on the preparation of the medium-term financial strategy is around the localisation of business rates. These have been reviewed and what are believed to be realistic assumptions have been made around the levels of income. There is, however, an ongoing accounting issue around the release of provisions. Um, the timing of the release of provisions means that the Council can have reasonable confidence that in the course of the next two years, that's 2016-17 through to 2017-18, our income will exceed our expenditure. Thereafter, from 2018-19, um, the position is significantly less attractive. We'll have a deficit under the medium-term financial strategy of 0.7 million in 2018-19, as set out on page 65 of the report, and an ongoing and increasing deficit thereafter. Um, again, I make the point, these are the two years when we must mend the roof while the sun shines. We need to use this time wisely, giving active consideration to the ways in which we plan to reduce the costs of delivering our services, while at the same time looking at our, how we generate additional income, ready for the challenges uh, ahead. And with that in mind, I recommend, uh, put forward the recommendation set out on page 54. And the recommendation is that the Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full Council the medium-term financial strategy. Councillor Dean and Councillor Lodge. The, um, the Scrutiny Committee was aware that, uh, that this medium-term financial strategy was, is to some extent an interim one and that uh, there will be a, an update on that when clarification or when there's greater clarification of uh, central government funding. There, there, one point that, that came up in the discussion and uh, Councillor Howell has referred to the Council going to have to again or continue to look at its costs is, is to I guess it's to, is, is to understand, the word transformation gets used in, in the papers in one or two places and, um, and there, were, there was some questioning of uh, how successful the council had been in transforming the way the council works and obviously that's down to some interpretation of what the word means. Um, uh, it's, Within, within it, there are, there, are, there are references to savings that have occurred over the last several years. I'm not going to go into the numbers now. What, what the, the, the numbers in, the, in these papers did not do is break it down into categories of what was, what was the saving because the, the council is working more effectively, what was the saving because of actual cuts, which might not be massive, but nevertheless... Um, you know what, what was simply stopped being done, and therefore you, you don't, you're not spending the money of it on it. And, and then the other, the third main area is what 
is referred to as de devolutions, and I know we're, we're continually talking about new types of uh, devolution, but this essentially is this council hiving off functions to, in particular, I think, Saffron Walden Town Council, and I don't want to get into the discussion that's going on in the press at the moment about uh, Saffron Walden Town Council and its, uh, and, and its budget and so on. But nevertheless, a good proportion is, and I think it's 20, 20 odd, 20 to 25 percent of the savings over those years are because this council has passed uh, responsibility after the council. So I, what, what I'm raising that not to, to challenge it, but simply to say I think we, are, we, we need to understand that. And I think as, as things go forward, if there, is, if there is a need to make significant changes, I think we need to get our head around what transformation really means uh, and, and, and how it can be uh, delivered. Um, and and it's, it's a debate for another time. And the only other thing that I think I can latch onto this one is there was a brief reference to um, a desire to see um, more transparency and accountability and in particular accountability to outcomes from the, the council's economic development activity. So again, in a way that comes back, well, not so much to the corporate plan, but you know, what do we get for it and, 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 and how is that... Um, Overseen, because I'm not, I'm not aware uh, of any transparent um, uh, monitoring and accountability of that one area, and I, there are probably other areas as well, but that was one that was mentioned. Um, I, I've got two more points, but I think it's probably better that they come up later on. Okay, I mean, I, I think your last point I, is, is an interesting one, and I will ask uh, Councillor Howell and um, Mrs Knight and Mr Webb just to think about this. So when eventually we've got our SPV up and running, it will have clear criteria. But there will be other businesses that uh, the council is involved in, weddings, for example. And I think to have some kind of... Um, focus on how successful these are uh, and the profitability levels around them is probably uh, not a bad idea. So I ask you to reflect on that. Um, I, I don't recognise the figure of 25% of our costs being devolved, um, but uh, we could examine that in greater detail. No, no, sorry, Mr Chairman, can I just correct that? I didn't say 25% of the Council's costs have been devolved. I said of the savings that have been made, I think about 25% are through uh, through pa passing I, services I, I, off elsewhere. That, that's I, what I'm I, saying, not, not yeah. our total costs. I don't know. Um, and I think uh, without prejudicing um, a future paper, um, the Council has very clearly laid out um, its plan now uh, that uh, to meet its fiscal obligations, it will need to generate more income, and that will come twofold this year by very marginally increasing the level of tax, but by creating a, an organisation that would generate income. But it will have to look at ways of running smarter. Now, that's a whole host of different things, whether it be um, looking to work in partnership with others, whether it's looking at its own internal organisation, whether it's looking at the whole devolved model. So all, all of these would be part of how do you run smarter and Every organisation in the country is broadly doing the same thing. Um, Councillor Barker and then Councillor Redfern. I beg your pardon, it is Councillor Lodge first, quite right. Thank you, Chair. I think the, the, the table on, on page 65 is obviously the crux of, of this paper and just looking at some of the things there. The, the new homes bonus, I think you've been uh, very prudent there and... Uh, I think not, nothing wrong with being prudent, but uh, I, I have rather a feeling that we're going to be um, 
more pleasantly surprised than that, but I'm happy with, I'm happy with that. Uh, the issue then on business rates retention, um, I know there's a massive amount of politics at all sorts of levels concerned with that, but that, that also looks to be very conservative in the, in the out years. I just wonder if I could have a comment on that and how that was reached. Uh, but particularly, I just wonder what the reason was for the doubling of that next year, just for the one year. Mrs. Knight. Right. The reason, firstly, the reason it's doubling next year is because we anticipate the release of the provision for previously provided for appeals. So when this came out in 1314, yeah. we had all the appeals. I, I remember that appeal now, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Also, 41617, we're in the Essex um, business rate pool, yeah. which also um, lends benefit mm. on the levy payment yeah. that we'll have to make long as obviously the whole pool is successful, which we anticipate it will be. After 1718, um, for 1718, we're not <coughs> sure what the position will be based on the consultation and what's happening with business rates come 1920 when they're on about 100% um, retention. So all of these things are up in the air. So basically we've just put it on an income generation basis for years 18, 19, through to 21, 22. But that statement of direction of uh, a full retention of business rates would rather suggest that we, we're, we're on a, a trajectory of a much better figure on that line. They said that there will be fiscally neutral, the 100% um, business rates retention. If we get 100% business rates retention, we will incur extra responsibilities with that. Or it will come off another line. Extra responsibilities are off No, we line. will actually... Um, we, we expect to gain extra responsibilities as a local oh, okay. authority. Okay, fine. Thank I mean, you very we, much. We, we collect about £40 million of business rates. It would be fantastic if we, uh, we, if we held on to that. I think there will be two elements, and Mrs Knight uh, summed them up perfectly. There will be an element of smoothing, because clearly we're going to do better than somebody that doesn't have an international airport. Um, and um, if uh, we're still in credit, then we'll probably be obliged to take on responsibilities. So I think the, the government is, is looking to make it broadly cash neutral, although we will have slightly more flexibility. It could be considered a poison chalice because um, uh, the business community will be looking to put rates down and we'll have obligations around a higher figure. So we'll deal with that challenge as and when it really emerges. But I don't think we should be hugely optimistic about uh, an increased sum. Uh, I had uh, Councillor Barker and then Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, I know that these papers we're looking at today are the same papers that went to scrutiny, but we, we, we are looking here at a, a service that runs a net budget of about £10 million. But we did have announced um, 10 days ago 278000 extra for rural services delivery and 61,000 transitional grant on the revenue support grant and I wondered if those were going to be built into the figures for council or at least if reference was going to be made to them because they are quite a substantial amount in terms of our net budget. Shall I take all of the questions as they come along and I'll deal with them if I possibly can at the end. Councillor Redfern. Um, mine wasn't a question for Councillor Howell, it was a comment to Councillor Dean and I have to say I think it's really inappropriate of you to bring up what's in the local press um, about Saffron Town Council. We, the, all the facilities that have been passed to, to that I can recall, that we've passed to um, town and parish councils have all gone with a financial contribution and so it's, it's not really fair to say that that's why we've um, got rid of so many of our costs and I think you're probably a bit high on 25% as well. 
And I just come back. I mean, I wasn't obviously wanting to start a debate, but my understanding is that they had uh, funding for a, a number of years, which has probably run out now. So presumably they're now uh, having to find the money from elsewhere. But uh, I'm sure that's a discussion we can have elsewhere or in the local newspapers. <laughs> Whatever, but we will move on. Good. Um, so if there are no other questions, I'll ask Councillor Howell to respond to some of those. Just very quickly, Councillor Dean is absolutely right. There is a reserve called the Transformation Reserve. It has £960,000 in. And I agree that the word transformation is quite a subjective word. If you asked a five-year-old boy what does transformation look like, you'd probably say Superman or whatever, whereas I think that we're envisaging something slightly different. Organisations evolve, they change, they adapt. Um, it's a reserve that is intended and earmarked to help us manage that evolution rather than transformation. But clearly all organisations look different over, over time. Um, Council Lodge makes an interesting point about the new homes bonus. My understanding is that the assumptions within the medium term financial strategy are based on are in line with the, the, the government's headline figure of what they seek to achieve, taking it from 1.2 billion down to 400 million. So the, the likelihood is it's going to be within that, re, within that region. It takes no account of whether we might lose new homes bonus in the event of appeals that are lost. That, so that, that, that's one of those factors that may have to be brought back in the autumn and, and make the medium term financial strategy even more challenging from next year and beyond. Councillor Barker, I, I can't commit the Finance Department to completely rewrite the entire budget pack in a week for full council, but I will ask them if they can include a couple of lines or at least give me something that I can read out to full council that addresses that. Good. There are no other points. So I remind you of uh, paragraph 10, the recommendation. The Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full council the medium-term financial strategy as attached. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. So we now move on to Treasury management, item 12. Item 12. I'm keen to keep the pace up, if you don't mind. Um, this report's been reviewed by the Scrutiny Committee. Again, an interesting and helpful discussion. Uh, the strategy sets out and governs the Council's cash flow management, our use of banks and investments and borrowings, and it includes an enormous number of technical measures for prudence and sustainability um, that are intended to demonstrate that the proposed strategy is sound. Um, the strategy is set out in Appendix A on page 73 to 89, and it incorporates various updates to the current strategy that were based on our, our, our consultation with Arling Close and their guidance. They are our independent Treasury management advisors and members, uh, councillors will remember a paper that came to Cabinet probably about four months ago, which talked about changing and adapting our management strategy. So we increased our yield without compromising on the risks that we took on place. And the principal changes are the use of money market funds to include non-UK domiciled funds, to increase our cash and our time limits, and the list of suitable investment counterparties is set out on page 84. Um, the strategy proposes a limit of £3 million, previously £2 million for each bank above A-, 
and £1 million for banks of BBB+, a limit of £3 million, previously £1 million, for next-day money market funds, increasing the time limit for deposits for banks uh, rated A- to A+, to 365 days, previously 182 days, and that local authority and building societies be uh, given the authority to deposit for 365 days, previously 182 and 100 days respectively, as set out in 4.2 on page 70. As I say, the strategy is intended to increase the income the Council receives from its Treasury management activities, while continuing to give priority to security and liquidity of investment capital over return. I recommend what I believe to be a prudent and transparent Treasury management strategy for the Council, and therefore I move the recommendation on page 69 which is that the Cabinet is requested to approve full recommendation to full Council on the 25th of February the following items. The Treasury Management Strategy 2016-17, Appendix A. The, prudent, uh, the Prudential Indicators, Appendix A1. The Minimum Revenue Provision Statement in Appendix A2. And the Economic Forecast set out in Appendix A3. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Any questions around that? Can I just have, I mean, it's, it's important, obviously, that uh, our Treasury advisers um, are, um, <coughs> fully recommend this proposal. Um, can I just be clear about the non-domiciled funds, whether they carry any less guarantee from the UK Treasury that uh, UK-based funds might carry? Are we aware of that? Um, not as far as we know. I mean, all the money market funds that are recommended via Arling Close are all AAA rated. Yeah, and whether, I get that whether, bit. Whether they be UK or non-UK. But there is no uh, protection to these kind of funds, whether they're UK-based or overseas-based? No. I mean, we've got bail-in now anyway, haven't we, with investment within banks and investment and general investment in England, so you're probably about the same risk, but we can, we can look into it further and we wouldn't take out any money market funds without um, assessing everything and doing background checks. And yeah, if you could just check for me that they carry the same level of yeah, protection or no, no protection, whatever the case may be, yeah. um, that would be helpful. But I, I think the initiative, which is, remains a, a particularly low-risk initiative but marginally increases the return, is the appropriate use of public funds. Um, so, uh, if there are no questions, those in I won't reread it, uh, Councillor Howell's just done that. Those in favour of um, paragraph 2-1? Uh, Carried unanimously, thank you. Item 13, the capital programme. Uh, thank you, Leader. Uh, once again, this report has been reviewed by the Scrutiny Committee, and I'm grateful to them for their time and efforts. Um, it sets out our programme for the 2016-17 capital programme. Um, our intention is to commit to expenditure of £3.227 million on the general fund schemes, £12.52 million of expenditure on a combination of HRA capital and business plan schemes, making a total capital expenditure programme in the year of £15.75 million. Um, Appendix A on page 110 shows a summary of all capital projects and their costs for each year. Um, Appendix B on pages 111 to 115 details the capital programme by portfolio 
by portfolio, I beg your pardon, broken down by item. Uh, Appendix C, set out on page 116 to 117, details the financing of the capital programme. Um, I would note in passing that the general fund includes the purchase of land to enable the extension of Lower Street Car Park in Stansted in 2016-17, a rolling programme of significant works planned for these offices over the next five years, um, and a further stage in the relocation of the Dunmo Depot. Um, The housing revenue account schemes include substantial investments in the redevelopment of sheltered housing schemes including Mead Court, Reynolds Court, Hatherley Court and Walden Place and those are going to be discussed later in the housing report. Um, I'd also ask colleagues to note that no external borrowing is required to finance the five-year capital programme detailed in this report. I believe the capital programme will deliver lasting legacy and representing an enduring benefit for council tenants, our service users and the whole district. And with that in mind, I'd like to submit the recommendation that the Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full council, the capital programme and the associated financing of the programme as set out in this report. Thank you. Councillor Barker, thank you. Councillor Howell, Councillor Barker. Uh, Thank you, Chairman, and um, I'm pleased to note the uh, reference to Dunmo Depot. Um, Could I just ask the officers at some point to look at the figures, because on page 44 we have our general fund reserves, and we're suggesting that we will have spent £600,000 on the Dunmo Depot in this year, and the tables on page 113 suggest we will have spent £900,000. Now, I suggest the whole thing will probably slip into next year, so it's probably immaterial, but at the moment we do seem to have these figures transposed in two different papers. Sorry. Um, I think it is just a case of slippage, and and with the two reports, I think the capital report was um, put together slightly later than the... um, is it in the reserve strategy then the reserve strategy which comes from sort of the outturn type report so when, when we did this there, there was a sort of a bit of a mismatch Thank you Thank you, Councillor Dean Thank you Chairman there were two points that came up at uh, scrutiny, one was uh, as Councillor Howes referred to both of them in fact uh, the Lower Street car park and wearing my local member hat and repeating what was said at the um, Scrutiny Committee, we welcome the um, Council's uh, intention to invest in extra capacity there, Lower Street in Stansted. And the the, um, words, I think in terms of the Dunmo Depot, we were concerned at the delay uh, that none of the money will be spent in the present financial year. Uh, We just hope that uh, land can be purchased and the whole matter can be settled as soon as possible. Thank you. Okay, no other councillor? Uh, Mr Webb. Uh, something else that came up just after scrutiny was the question of disabled facilities grant DFG. Um, I can confirm that on Friday, and uh, this will be added to the note for council, how for council, that we have been allocated an additional £62,000 towards DFG. We still end up as the poor partner in all of this allocation and we are pushing for more but um, as I say that was only announced on Friday so Councillor Howe will have some information for Council next week. 
Okay, thank you. Well, as well as the headline figures, I commend uh, Councillor Dean's touched on car, uh, increased car parking capacity, but uh, it, it, tucked within the figures are uh, money spent on solar panels um, and. Um, uh, and there was another. Bin lorry. <laughs> it wasn't the bin lorry. Um, and um, I can't remember now the other the, the, the other one that I noticed. But uh, but but anyway, it's 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 a good spread of um, uh, of investment. So those in favour uh, of the recommendation, as was read out, unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. Moving on to item 14. Uh, thank you, Leader. Um, this item concerns the housing revenue account for 2016-17, its budget and its five-year business plan strategy. Uh, this paper is shared with the portfolio holder, Councillor Redfern, and I will now ask her to speak to this. <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. Sorry. Okay. Um, I will ask Councillor Redfern to comment at the end, if you wouldn't mind. Um, the key points of the report are set out on page 119. Um, I'm afraid there, there are quite a long list of items. Um, it sets out the, the proposed housing revenue account budget and reserves position for 2016-17. It proposes a five-year financial forecast for the period through to 2021. Um, HRA rents for general use properties decreased by 1% in line with new government guidance. Uh, the HRA rents for sheltered accommodation increased by CPI plus 1% in line with government guidance issued in January that the 1% reduction be deferred for a period of 12 months for supported accommodation. The details are set out there of garage rents um, and also similarly heating service and sewerage charges. Um, the service charge for common services continues to be subsidised for tenants as at 31st of March 2012, not in receipt of housing benefit, uh, with that subsidy reducing uh, annually. Um, the charges for the Council's Sheltered Housing Scheme Management Service are also detailed and have previously been discussed by Cabinet. Um, and also the housing-related support services for tenants, as at the 31st of March 2003, um, who are not eligible for housing-related support grant continue to receive transitional relief protection. Um, I should point out that the Housing Board and the Tenants Forums have reviewed the housing rent and service charge proposals uh, and have recommended the report for approval by Cabinet and full Council. Um, the Scrutiny Committee again considered the housing revenue account for 2016-17, their budget and the five-year business plan at their meeting on the, the 9th of February and I was grateful for their contribution and, and thoughts on the subject. The, the budget identifies a net operating surplus of £3.49 million in 2016-17 and that has been allocated to agreed projects as detailed in the business plan. Um, furthermore, a contribution from the revenue budget of 7.5 million and 4.013 million of reserves have been allocated to support the capital programme for planned works. Uh, the HRA capital programme five-year forecast, which is set out on Appendix B on page 129, shows the, shows the total investment in housing improvements, new builds, and redevelopment during the course of the next five years will be around £32.8 million 
in addition to the current forecast spend in the current financial year ending on the 31st of March this year of circa £7.4 million. Um, I'll draw your attention to Appendix E on page 132 to 133, and that lists the key achievements against items identified in the HRA business plan. And if I haven't completely stolen her thunder, I will now invite um, Councillor Redfern to make any comments that she might make. But the recommendation to Council, oh, sorry, to Cabinet. Uh, is that Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full council the HRA uh, revenue uh, budget and five-year financial strategy. Thank you. Um, thank you, uh, Councillor Howell. You have covered pretty much everything, but there are a couple of points that I would like to make, such as the um, fact that the um, rent reduction on um, sheltered accommodation has been um, deferred and I'd like to think that actually the team here has had something to do with that because um, Councillor Rolf and myself with uh, MP went to um, see Brandon Lewis and Ros Millership has had meetings with him as well and so we're really pleased to see that, that we hope that that's um, something to do with us pushing. There are lots of other things we'd like to see change but small steps I think is the um, phrase I should use there um, and um, Certainly on um, Appendix E, it really does make you realise what we have achieved um, over these last few years with our housing revenue account. And um, I would just like to say that, um, well, I'm sure Councillor Dean knows, but Mead Court is moving, is moving along. And thank goodness we had a fixed contract on that because um, I should think Wilmot Dixon will never want to hear the word for District Council ever again. Um, but that is moving along really well, as is... Um, Catons Lane and I did go um, and visit a couple of sites at the weekend including um, Reynolds Court and that has actually um, started now and, we, and I hope to give a much fuller report on that at full council but, um, the, and the other thing that really sticks out here for me is 1,542 electrical rewires which actually is a huge percentage of our, um, of our properties and um, Councillor Rolf picked up on the um, uh, solar panels and you can see those have um, popped up all over the place and you can see which houses we, which face the right way that we still own and those that face the right way but we don't own. So you can see those popping up all over the place but other than that I think um, Councillor Howell has covered everything. Thank you. Good, thank you very much. And the other um, investment that I was um, <coughs> couldn't uh, put my finger on um, was um, CCTVs, which again has, has, it was consistently rolling out through the community, and I think that goes with the whole security thing that we uh, talked about in our corporate plan. Okay, any other comments? No, I commend uh, this uh, paper. I think this is um, an excellent investment. We know from the Housing Board um, and the Tenants Forum that uh, they hold um, the quality of, uh, of our social housing and council housing in the highest esteem. And um, I, I think you're doing a great job in the investments in some of this sheltered accommodation is very important. And obviously there's still an awful lot more to do with an ageing population, um, the need for care homes, the increasing... Um, um, <coughs> difficulties with mental health, uh, so uh, it, it, it carries on. But this is uh, this is a good paper. So uh, you've heard the recommendation at paragraph five. That's been read out. Those in favour? Thank you. Carried unanimously. 
Um, we move on to item 15, General Fund and Council Tax 2016-17. Councillor thank, Howell. Thank you, Leader. Um, This is an item for decision. Uh, It deals with the general fund and council tax for 2016-17, as you say, and the proposals were reviewed, as with all the other papers I've spoken to to date, uh, by the Scrutiny Committee at its meeting on on the the 9th of February. Um, You'll know that the the residence consultation has been previously circulated and there is a summary set out on pages 136 to 138. I draw your attention to item 21 on page 140. Um, This shows that in 2016-17 the budget has a surplus of £2.436 million and this will be allocated to the Strategic Initiatives Fund Uh, in accordance with the reserve strategy which was item 10 previously dealt with and in accordance with that strategy we'll be uh, creating a new reserved earmarked for the SPV, the special purpose vehicle from this Um, item 25 on page 143 deals with key (coughs) budget movements and these include a a number of items uh, including a budgeted increase in disposal fees for the disposal of recyclable waste Uh, and I'm pleased wearing my enforcement hat and additional enforcement post. For the most part, the budget assumes that spending on services is maintained at current levels. I do need to flag two key items of risk and assumptions, and these are set out on page 143 and over the page on 144 under item 27. The first of these is the Stansted Airport Business Rates Appeal, and the second is the National Health Service claim that it is now a charitable organisation. I also need to refer you to Appendix F, which sets out our fees and charges. I'm very much of the view that in in the UK we have spent the last two decades beggaring our children, and I am determined that we here at Uttlesford will do our bit to solve our problems and not leave it to another generation or whoever comes after us to do it for us. My aim throughout has been to protect local residents as much as possible, and I am very much of the view, when faced with a problem, the answer is not put it on the precept. That is not the right answer to problems. However, the solution has to come from all options available to us, And therefore, I am proposing this evening a 1% increase in council tax in 2016-17. For a band D household, that represents an increase in our cost to them from £138.74, as set out on page 139 under item 7, from £138.74. £74, an increase to £140.13, effectively a £1.39 per annum increase, 12p per month. Solving the problems that we are going to face in 2018-19 and beyond comes through a variety of measures. Even if it's not transformative, we have to look at the way we do things, working smarter more efficiently. We need to weigh up how we deliver our services and we may need to change the way we deliver some of our services. We need to increase our income 
where we can and we need to use our reserves to generate additional income while at the same time building an asset that has a value for a future generation. I'd characterise this as a steady-as-she-goes budget. I believe we're putting in place the foundations for our longer-term strategy. No rash decisions. Time to consider and make the difficult choices when we know what the pieces look like. I'm determined not to just predict the weather, but also to build the ark. I've used that phrase too many times this evening, but it's a good one. And this is the first step on the process. I therefore put before you the recommendation that Cabinet is requested to recommend that the full Council approves the General Fund Council tax requirement of £4,827,584 as summarised in paragraphs 15 to 19 and the Cabinet is recommended to approve the schedule of fees and charges set out in Appendix F. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Councillor Dean. Thank you, Chairman. There were two points that... Uh came up at the scrutiny committee. The first one can be picked up on page 155 and, and the risks and assumptions, uh, adverse risks, about just over halfway down where it refers to highway range of funding and the risks set out there says that funding from Essex County Council uh, may or well says here will be withdrawn that was a risk that it will, will be withdrawn now my understanding and we did discuss it at the meeting is that um, the, the, the total budget has been or the total funding from Essex County Council is being halved from around about £500,000 to around about £250,000 so that uh, makes a massive difference to the, um, the ability of the highways panel to do anything in this district and I believe I'm correct in saying that that, that uh, funding also pays for the highway rangers who go around the district uh, doing lots of improvement jobs to the appearance of our towns and villages um, getting rid of rusty poles, painting railings by brooks, etc., etc. Um, so I think uh, I think there's a problem here. And, uh, and I, since the um, scrutiny committee took place, in fact, it was the following night, I, evening, I, I heard that although Essex is um, taking away half of that money, uh, they are they are offering a sort of 50-50 match funding arrangement whereby were, for instance, Uttlesford to, I presume, based on these figures, put in £125,000 and Essex would put in £125,000 and you back to where you started. Um, so I, it strikes me that this needs to be addressed um, fairly soon, otherwise we've got a problem. Um, we heard earlier that the council had a, a windfall last week, which could be directed in this direction if they're all willing to do so. So I, um, I, I raise this now in that way because, although we were concerned at the scrutiny meeting, it does appear that there is potentially a way out of it. Uh, but it does mean this council, um, from what I understand, um, putting its money hand in its purse and uh, helping to restore, restore the funding to this valuable service. So that, that's the first point and, and, and the, the other one was um, there was a question at the meeting from a member of the committee 
um, Councillor Howell has referred to the 1% council tax rise. There was no sort of major debate about the pros and cons of it other than the question about that if you remember at the last cabinet meeting there was going to be a zero council tax increase and then that was put on hold at, at the council meeting and, and subsequently it's gone up. I, I thought I'd read that there was some uh, some change in funding that, uh, that, that drove that but I, but I don't know what it was and of course you know, the council's actually ended up with more, more money than it thought, way, you know, way beyond 1%. So it's really just to ask the question, because I'm, I can't remember whether it was answered at the uh, scrutiny committee, you know, the, the, the thought process of moving from zero to one. Um, it would be helpful just to hear that from Councillor Howell. Well, I'm quite happy to answer that one. I'm sure Councillor Howell can add his own point. But, um, uh, you know, we've been discussing all evening the uncertainty. And uh, it, we've had information since we, we um, confirmed the figure. So it was right that we took account of every available indices before we made our final decision. We made that final decision. Since then, there's been a bonus. But we stay with our, you, you know, the decision. Um, so I think it's just uh, taking account of all circumstances, Councillor Dean and answer to your second question, but I'll ask Councillor Barker to answer your first question. Yes, thank you. Following the uh, scrutiny meeting, I did actually meet with our highways liaison officer to clarify the situation around the um, highways panel budget. Um, I think it's quite interesting because apart from Councillor Lodge here, none of you sits on the highways panel, and I shouldn't think you know what we've spent the money on. No, not a clue. So actually halving a budget that you don't know as the opposition leader what we spent the money on is a very strange situation, is it not? Um, Essex County Council has halved the highways panel's budgets, so our allocation will go down from 400 something thousand to 200 something thousand. Um, and this has been used for mini roundabouts, zebra crossings, um, oh, lots and lots of bus shelters that you've seen spring across the district, um, footpath extensions, and, and a variety of things. And it is unfortunate it has reduced. The reason it's reduced is because the county is taking the money back to spend on capitalised ma maintenance on pavements and on highways, on local roads, and it feels it could do that more efficiently centrally. The good news is that the highways rangers have not been touched. The highways rangers stay as they were. So as far as I'm concerned, highways liaison officer said there is no change to the highways rangers' relationship with the districts. And what about the point that of match funding? Do you know about that? Yes, um, I understand that the Cabinet Member, Councillor Johnson, Cabinet Member for Highways, um, will be writing to all districts and boroughs, inviting them to top up their um, panel's budget if they so wish by, through a match funding arrangement. So well, that, that would be a totally separate item for this Cabinet and this Council to consider uh, when we get that letter. Yeah, I, I was told last. Wednesday by County Councillor Ray Gooding that um, Epping Forest have already decided to do that. To what degree, I don't know, but, but clearly that's underway already. Uh, and we'll certainly look at that most yeah. seriously when we receive the letter. Okay, uh, Councillor Howell. I, I really just wanted to come back on the point that, that Councillor Dean made at scrutiny about um, the time that the, the process that took place on deciding around the increase in council tax. And, and I'd remind him of the answer that I gave to scrutiny uh, at your meeting last week. Um, and it's actually quite clearly set out in the minutes of the last cabinet meeting on the um, 12th of January, on page 9 in the third paragraph, 
as the leader has said, because the position in 1617 is still unclear and was evolving, the leader would indicate his decision on whether council tax would increase when there was greater clarity. And, we, and we've, we've had that debate and discussion. The, the 0%, is, frankly, there is no conspiracy around this. It was an officer's presentation. Uh, I was asked what was my thoughts on the best way of presenting the information in the members' uh, workshop. And I thought that a zero uh, increase in council tax would be a helpful way of not distorting the numbers and making it clear exactly what was the likely impact of new homes bonus going forward. Um, we now have a clearer picture of all of the moving parts around the budget and thus my proposal uh, and recommendation of a 1% increase. I've got a little detail question, a bit unfair probably to ask you, Councillor Howell, but um, on page 166, other charges talks for local groups apparently they weren't applicable this year but next year we're going to be charging for that can somebody fill me in a bit because if i go and do a talk somewhere i'm not going to be charging 50 quid so um i just wonder where that came from that's within the museum that's that whole section oh it's all in the museum, museum. So it's museum well, I beg talks. Your pardon. quite right quite right okay any other any other questions no, in which case I go back to um, the item four and five, which is beaten read out by Councillor Howell. Those in favour? Thank you. Unanimous. Moving on then to item 16, the budget monitoring for this year, period nine. If not already. Uh, item 16, budget mon monitoring for 15-16, period nine, effectively Q3. This is the, the latest quarterly report that comes to Cabinet monitoring our performance uh, against budget for the general fund. That's set out in Appendix A on pages 185 to 189. The general fund reserves, set out in Appendix B on page 190. The housing revenue account in Appendix C, uh, set out on page 191. The capital programme in Appendix D, set out on page 192 to 194, and the Treasury Management is set out in Appendix E on pages 195 to 197. Um, the General Fund, uh, and there is more narrative to this under item 8 on page 174, um, identifies a bottom line forecast as an in-year underspend of £1.661 million against budget and there is a proposal to transfer the general fund surplus of this said amount of 1.661 million to the strategic initiative fund. Item 9 sets out in some detail all the key variances whether they be an overspend, an underspend, increased income or, or reduced income of more than £10,000. Now, in my experience, performance against budgets comes in only two varieties. It's a really binary thing. You either overspend or you underspend. And so anticipating the comment from Councillor Dean, although I think he's already made it or touched on it, I would be much rather reporting to Cabinet and to Council that we have an underspend against budgets than an overspend. You definitely want to be on this side of the line. So... Some of these items are to do with timing. Some of these items are outside the control of this council. I absolutely accept, and it's a point that I've made before, and I think officers have endorsed, that you can always improve on your budgeting. 
but, the, but there are many issues that are outside of your control and it is much, much better to come in as an sorry, as an, as an, uh, an underspend rather than an overspend. Um, the recommendation to Cabinet is to note and approve the report and to approve the transfer of the general fund surplus of 1.661 million to the Strategic Initiatives Fund. Thank you. Any comments? Thank you. Um, the Cabinet is recommended to note and approve this report, approve the transfer of the general fund surplus of 1.661 million to the SIF. Those in favour? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, Page 196, I think it was, which has the uh, Treasury management deposits. I don't know whether this is a mistake but, or whether they're duplications, but we appear to have gone over our limits for Cornwall, Glasgow and Nationwide, or are they just mistaken duplicate items? It would appear they're duplicates. It would appear they're duplicates. Can we confirm we'll, we'll, that? Con we'll confirm. Yeah. Well spotted. Yeah. I thought I'd trump that with the uh, external charges. But, uh, well done. Anything else? No. Okay. I've read out the recommendation. Uh, those in favour? Thank you. Unanimous. Moving on to item 17, new homes bonus consultation response. We have looked at this once before. It has been amended and is being brought back to Cabinet um, for comment, sign off, so that it can be sent to the Department and it will be sent. Thank you very much, Angela. Um, and will also be passed to our Member of Parliament so that he can lobby on our behalf as well. Councillor Howell. And Leader, I don't intend to say anything to this other than we were asked to take away question 5 and question 6 and sharpen our pencils and come up with something slightly more robust I hope you will agree that even in, legal gov in local governmentees, it is somewhat more robust, uh, and you will endorse the responses to question five and seven, six, sorry, and we will submit our, our response to the consultation accordingly. Are you content that we've sharpened it up sufficiently? Yep. Councillor Lodge, Dean, you happy with that? Because it is, you know, as we've indicated earlier, what happens to new homes bonus is of, of material consideration to this council, so we will, not, we will need to lobby fairly hard. Councillor Lodge. Can I just make one point on, on the process, and this actually applies to a number of other papers. When they've come back again, uh, we have 460 pages. It would be really good if we could have them in markup, if we could see what has been changed. I think that could be possible for future papers, rather than having to plough through all of the 460 where we've seen them before. It's a fair comment. I think five and six have pretty much been rewritten, but we take your point, so that's a fair, fair comment. Okay, uh, the recommendation is the amended response be submitted to government to inform its decisions when it finalises the revised NHB scheme. Those in favour? <coughs> Unanimous, thank you. Item 18, pay policy. Which is, of course, absolutely critical for about 300 people and it is set out here. Um, I understand its importance to the operations of this organisation. Um, I urge you to read it. I'm assuming you have read it and the recommendation is that you are requested to approve for recommendation to full council the pay policy as set out in Appendix 1. Any comments on the pay policy? 
which as you know we are part of a national scheme. No, then the Cabinet is requested to approve recommendation to full council the pay policy as set out in Appendix 1. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Item 19, you can take a breather, Councillor Howell. Local Development Scheme, Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, we have a proposal today to adopt a revised local development scheme with a new timetable for the production of a local plan. The key dates in delivering the plan are set out in paragraph 8 and are from now until September 2016 to research, to carry out assessment of sites submitted and development of various options and the evidence base to support the plan. All these issues will be regularly reported to and discussed at the planning policy working group meetings that are scheduled. In November 2016, there will be a pre-submission consultation and the local plan will be submitted for inspection in March 2017, with hearings expected in August 2017 and adoption in December 2017. This revised timetable will enable this Council to have a submitted plan in line with the Government's expectations of spring 2017. Chairman, the Local Development Scheme details all the policies that underpin the plan and the evidence base used to support the process. I propose the recommendation that the Cabinet adopt the revised Local Development Scheme. Thank you. Any comments on that, Councillor Dean? Uh, as you know, Chairman, there was a degree of uh, discontent at the last Local Planning Policy Working Group about the, the way in which this, was, this came forward, that there was um, a revision to the timetable, but it wasn't explained and one had to do one's own research to realise what the changes were, which in a way picks up Councillor Lodger's last point about uh, tracked changes or at least an officer's report which actually yes, describes the fundamental or the, the important changes which of course were a, a nine month um, delay in the adoption of the current or the, the, the local plan that we're working on from March 2017 to December 2017. That was the main change and then of course there was the other uh, contention about the um, exclusion of the issues and options consultation which essentially is the asking the public what they think about the sites that have been put forward by developers and uh, um, certainly there was not unanimity at, the, at that meeting to, to support this um, and I know we'll be discussing this again later this week and again next week but there is still ongoing concern at the, at the absence of a um, a more detailed project plan, for want of a better word, that actually shows where the various elements are going to take place, what feeds into what, when things are expected to happen. We, we don't have one of those, and um, um, I will be speaking about this tomorrow, but I was totally taken aback and astounded by the um, announcement uh, today that there's going to be a that your cabinet's going to have an extra meeting uh, next month to to uh, agree some form of recommendation from the planning policy working group based on you know, on, on whether or not we, the council wants to proceed towards a new settlement um, without without 
with a paper which I think is totally inadequate. In other words, we, you know, we, this whole process has been predicated on, a, on a, a change of approach which will be more transparent, it will be evidence-based and so on. And uh, you know, I, I don't think now is the time to go into detail, but certainly <laughs> advance notice that I, you know, I'm concerned that we've got a, a paper for next week's policy planning working group which I can best describe as a sort of theoretical um, paper that one might have lifted from uh, you know, a national journal in terms of the pros and cons of new settlements without putting it into local context. So I've, I've got major concerns about the, the sudden, um, I won't say change of direction, but a change of approach. Um, I'm feeling very uncomfortable at, at this. I, were, were I a member of the uh, cabinet, I would not be voting to approve this because I think more work needs to be done and more justification is required before, before this is approved. Um, and and I'm, I am deeply concerned that we're, being, we're starting to be bounced without proper uh, consideration of, of, of evidence into, into the various stages and in the absence of a, a local plan, uh, sorry, a local a project plan which makes it even more uh, disturbing. So um, I've, I've got some fundamental problems, uh, I have to say, which we'll no doubt be discussing uh, tomorrow at another meeting and again next week, but I think it's appropriate that I, I raise them now. Thank you. Yeah, we, we, we saw from your blog uh, that uh, I don't quite understand your problem because it's been well documented that there would be a special council meeting on March the 21st. That's been in the public domain for weeks and weeks uh, to consider the future structure uh, of our plan. Um, and as you know, the process is that Cabinet needs to sign that off before. So we had just to fit in a Cabinet meeting in terms of carrying through or otherwise the recommendation from the planning policy working group that you sit on. So everything that is there has been there for weeks. So um, I, I don't understand that part uh, of your problem. Um, I think that uh, you'll have seen the paper and uh, at this stage, um, we are not firmly committing uh, to definitely do one thing or the other. I think that's the, uh, the point that is being made, that can, work will continue over the summer so that we can do exactly what you've just described to make sure that it is a very scientific and thoroughly researched recommendation. What the paper does say, uh, if I remember correctly, but as you say, that's subject to a future meeting, so... You know, I'm not really want to be quoted on this, that, it will, that we will seriously consider. Uh, and uh, I think that's a perfectly legitimate position. So nobody's being bounced. Uh, the process has been out in the public domain for a long time. Um, and um, it will be given very full consideration over the summer. But let's have that conversation at the Planning Policy Working Group. As far as this document is concerned... Uh, it is, um, as, as you're aware, um, important from a number of aspects that we submit our plan by the end of March. We don't want to have a plan imposed upon us like is uh, the situation now in Malden. Um, I think, uh, as we discussed at the Planning Policy Working Group, um, that well, we're certainly doing what uh, the government wants us to do, so I think that's a fairly significant point, um, that uh, we will... a 
decide at the planning policy working group and then the, through the, um, the two subsequent meetings that I described in terms of some indication around the, sh the shape but without any um, uh, re really firming that up so that does allow still for consideration uh, that um, officers will be in touch with all town and parish councils to, continue to consider the factuality of uh, the various sites in other words if they're wholly inappropriate for a degree of fact rather than view and opinion that uh, that will be taken into account so that will enable officers to shape a plan during the summer uh, that we will consider the planning policy working group uh, so when the papers come out uh, for that meeting in I would imagine sort of the second weekish of September um, the week before that that will the first time that we'll put into the public domain um, the uh, the proposed sites uh, that will uh, then be considered in public meetings across Uttlesford so a big opportunity for people to uh, express their opinion around that and then we will go to a full consultation on that which is our statutory duty to do and which obviously is the, the right thing to do as well before submission at the end of March. So uh, I think we ha have you know, a very full process of consideration uh, and, and, um, and, and um, consultation and uh, you know, we're very. I think we have said a hundred times that uh, the final recommendation will not be to everybody's satisfaction. I think we know that, but hopefully, by the time it is uh, put to the planning policy working group in September, the uh, uh, if there were inaccuracies, absurdities, will have been ruled out through the dialogue with the local councils, so that it will become then a matter of. Uh, a suggestion and inevitably as I say uh, some will say that's a good idea others will say it should be elsewhere I think we have now all agreed um, around the numbers um, there is still the duty to cooperate to uh, consider around that and um, you may be aware that the inspector spoke in East Hearts about whether we'd taken sufficient account of population growth so uh, I guess that door is not closed yet but um, I, I, I think uh, the proposal as put forward by Councillor Barker um, fully takes account of our obligation our desire our want to fully consult I think the, pu the public are going to be fully involved in this whole process any other comments Councillor Lodge well here it's actually the 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 working group which isn't having a chance to debate and have a say. Um, it's my understanding that the working group should be recommended to Cabinet and hence to Council a course of action. What's happening is that um, important ideas are coming out of the, uh, out of the re um, depth of officers in this Council um, which have been on uh, withdrawing one of the um, consultations and uh, going on then to um, um, move to the the, uh, the motion for um, uh, a new settlement or not and, and the democratic process is being stifled here the working group which you trumpeted so loudly at the start of it is not working and the working group is not considering those at the appropriate time and I share the concerns with Councillor Dean uh, this is just at the start of it when the decisions get really tough are we going to continue to be ignored that's my concern. Uh, well, it, this is absolute nonsense. Nobody is ignoring nonsense. anybody. We had a full discussion at the Planning Policy Working Group about the Local Development Scheme. You and uh, Councillor Dean made the same points that you're making tonight. Uh, the, uh, the committee discussed it in full and it was approved. Um, as far as the paper, you wouldn't want me to write the paper for the Planning Policy Working Group, so it has been written objectively by officers. 
at the meeting of the Planning Policy Working Group, we will have a very full discussion about the paper in terms of the structure of our, 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 of our um, uh, housing placement. And um, it's quite possible that uh, the officer's recommendations uh, will be changed during that discussion uh, in terms of the recommendation that then goes to Cabinet. Uh, but uh, the officers have put forward a starting paper, so nobody's, nobody's uh, rushing or cutting out the democracy at all. The, the, the process is still exactly as it was, and it, that, that meeting, that planning policy working group, will be a meeting in public with the opportunity for you, members of the public, to comment as, as necessary. Uh, and as I so I think the paper is, is the right balance, but obviously we'll have that discussion because it, gives, it, it leaves officers uh, the chance to examine in much greater detail in discussion with town and parish councils um, the various options that there are. So I, I don't understand the comment about cutting well, out comment. Well, no, I disagree comment. with you fundamentally that the, the working group is not working. It's not working on the issues and coming to a decision. Well, maybe it it's not coming pushed. to the decisions that you want it to come to, no, but that's slightly different. It's, it not is working. Coming, it's not coming to decisions. It's being fed from the back office. No, but that's the way it works. Officers put forward, as I say, it's but not for me to... Are you aware of these papers? At the same moment that you, were, that you saw them. I saw so this them. was completely a back office initiative? It's the, it's the initiative of... So of, who organised the cabinet meeting? Well, we've got, yeah, you can in a minute, but uh, this, is simple, this is simple stuff. This is going to council on the 21st of March. We've been saying that for weeks. The process in Uttlesford District Council is that it must be signed off by Cabinet in advance of that. So this is not a big deal. Uh, it has, that we, put in the, we put in that meeting so that uh, Cabinet could make the recommendation to full Council. Councillor Barker. So you made, you made the Cabinet meeting just, just maybe like... Uh, Mr. Cameron made the uh, cabinet meeting on, uh, on Friday, so that if a deal was uh, agreed, you could take it to it, and you knew nothing about what was going on from the back office. Uh, well, before uh, Councillor Barker comes out, uh, this, this, I don't understand this back office point. Every paper that comes to Planning Policy Working Group is written by officers. The reverse of me or anybody else writing those papers would be wholly inappropriate. It is written; they are written by experts in the subject independently so that politicians can consider them. So, I, you know, this emotive language of back office and special cabinet meetings, you know, you're flying kites that just simply do not exist. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. I was just trying to clarify, at the Planning Policy Working Group, we discussed this issue. We voted on it. It happens that Councillor Dean and Councillor Lodge voted against but the recommendation came from the Planning Policy Working Group to recommend to Cabinet that this was adopted. So it has come from the Planning Policy Working Group. That was the process. Yeah, I think I made that point. But yeah, absolutely. Councillor Redfern. Um, I, obviously, I don't sit on the Planning Policy Working Group, and um, sitting here, I'm rather pleased about that. Um, but my understanding of the paper that's been issued today which the one is for the new settlement option for the local plan it does clearly say in that that the working group recommend to the cabinet and full council that a new settlement or settlements be considered seriously as an option for inclusion in the local plan so what I'm assuming is if you go to the planning policy working group next week and say actually we don't want um, we don't want a single settlement or, two, or multiple settlements 
that, that, that this paper then won't need to go to Cabinet, presumably. Your working group will decide that's not what they want to do. So, this, so it's up, it is up to you guys on the working group to recommend that to us, I would presume. Am I right? Yes, absolutely right. That is, that is the point, that uh, we need to give some guidance, and, and this is, I suppose, does deal with Council Lodge's back office point. We need to give some guidance to officers in terms of the shape of our future housing placement. Councillor H Mr Harborough, did you want to make a point? Yes, thank you, Leader. Um, the purpose of this report is to set out the proposed programme for completing the various regulatory uh, requirements in preparing a plan and that's why paragraph 8 sets it out in that way. So regulation 18 stage which is the assessment of site options and the evidence based development that's taking place within a particular time frame. We then move on to the next uh, statutory stage in the plan preparation process regulation 19 stage the pre-submission consultation. Um, next stage Regulation 22 is submission of the local plan. It's setting out the deadlines for achieving those statutory stages in the local plan preparation. When the, the local development scheme is not setting out what options might need to be considered, it's the time to walk the statutory stages. Yes, yeah, this paper. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's a fair point. I think uh, Councillor Dean was then referring to uh, the papers for planning policy working group next week, but absolutely, you've summarised this paper well. Um, okay, there are no other... Councillor Lodge. If I can file a short request for, for the PPG, PPWG next week, uh, and it's something which I didn't uh, ask for uh, the last one, which I should have done, so I, re I realise this is somewhat in uh, retrospect, uh, but we didn't get a good, re a good explanation for the one-year slippage that we have suffered since the previous LDS. Could we possibly have that then? A report from officers for the next PPWG. Uh, I'll turn to Mr. Harper. It'll have to be a verbal report now. But I mean, with respect, you have been to every meeting, so you've followed the process intimately uh, in terms of what has happened, when, and how. But Mr. Harper, do you want to comment? Yes. Well, published today was uh, an indicative work programme, obviously relating to the timetable of the statutory stages, which indicates how long it is going to take to complete the evidence and options work and implicit in that is um, the reason why we need to, to adopt the dates which are now proposed. I think Councillor Lodge wants to understand um, if we've lost a year, why we've lost a year. We'll uh, verbally advise members of that at the planning policy work. Okay, fine. There are no other questions. Uh, then the cabinet, uh, the recommendation is that cabinet adopt the revised LDS. Those in favour? Thank you. Carried unanimously. Uh, item 20, Councillor Barker's statement of community involvement, which exactly the same as item 19 was discussed in detail at PPWG. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, um, although this is quite a long paper, there are only a couple of very minor amendments to it. Um, so I present a revised statement of community involvement. The changes made to the previously adopted policy are to change within the document the date of the housing strategy to 2016-21 to reflect the recently adopted housing strategy and therefore to change the key objectives of the strategy to reflect the new objectives in the housing strategy which are increasing housing supply across all tenures, helping people to live independently, ensuring decent, safe and healthy homes 
and creating sustainable communities. Chairman, I propose to approve the statement of community involvement for formal consultation. Any comments? Yep, Councillor Lodge. Yeah, my point, point from before, if very little has changed, it would be great to know yeah, what has no, changed. We take, we take the point. And yeah. mark up on that then, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, one more detailed point then. Uh, in the introduction, page 256, the, the risk analysis is, is low as the uh, SCI is being reviewed. What assurance do we have on that? We are, we are adopting it now and going out to consultation. Um, I don't think that the amendments we've made are going to exactly get uh, you know, too, too much concern. I mean, we, you know, we have changed our objectives, but that's all in the housing you know, papers. Um, we'll run the consultation for six weeks, and if there are responses, then we will take them into account at a future Cabinet meeting. Okay. Okay, uh, you've heard the recommendation. Those in favour? Thank you. Carried unanimously. Item 21, Developer Contributions Guidance. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, a small number of changes have been made to the document, again to reflect the approval of the housing strategy. These are in paragraph 2.1, which shows the new housing strategy dates of 2016 to 21, and the key objectives are set out. Paragraph 2.3 makes reference to the strategic housing market area assessment that was commissioned by the Council, and the findings of that study resulted in some changes to the mix of housing that we need to supply across the district. These changes are then reflected in paragraph 2.9, uh, where it says housing mix. So basically, the assessment we carried out showed that we needed a different mix of housing to what was in the previous plan, so we have change this so that those new housing mixes can be discussed with developers as sites come forward for uh, proposed planning. So Chairman, I propose the recommendation which is to adopt a revised developer contributions guidance which is in accordance with the updated national planning policy guidance as a material planning consideration. One thing I would like to add Chairman is that in discussions with uh, colleagues um, we have noted that the figure of 125,000 for the building of an affordable house may not be um, quite as high as may be required to deliver an affordable house. And we will be discussing with officers whether this figure should be reviewed and some sort of indexation built into this. But we will bring that back if that's the case. Okay. Any points on that? No. Um, recommendation. Uh, to adopt a revised developer contributions guidance in accordance with the updated MPPF as a material planning consideration. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Item 22 has been dealt with. Item 23 is appointment to an outside body, the Uttlesford Transport Forum, to appoint Councillor Mills. Are we all in, in favour of that? Raise your hands, please. Thank you. Carried unanimously. Item 24, sports strategy. Councillor Wells. Yes, uh, the sports strategy was commissioned to build upon the previous 2012 open space sports facility and playing pitch strategy and its implementation will be led by local clubs and national um, operating bodies. Um, the statement is principally an inventory of all the sporting facilities in Uttlesford. It has been subject to consultation with active Uttlesford, national associations, Sport England, 
staff and warden for sport and local sports clubs and it has been approved by the governing bodies of key sporting facilities in the district including football, cricket, swimming, athletics, rugby and hockey. It will be available on the Council website in due course. Its aims are to contribute to the Council's wider aims of improving health and well-being and increasing participation in sport, to relate facility needs to sport development programmes and patterns of participation, to develop a list of deliverable projects which will help meet current deficiencies, provide for future demand and feed into the wider infrastructure planning work, and to provide evidence to help secure internal and external funding. The recommendation is to adopt the sports strategy into the local plan evidence base as a material planning consideration and as a sports strategy for the district. Thank you very much indeed. Any comments? Councillor Lodge. Um, firstly, just to say that I'm, I'm looking forward to playing on the five-hole golf course because I do think that 18 is far too much time to waste uh, on golf. Um, but as far as uh, real items on there, I noticed that on page 321 it says the strategy will be adopted by UDC and approved by the governing bodies of sport. Now, I presume you're talking about the national <laughs> governing bodies. Uh, my comment there is, really? <laughs> Can well, that be declared? Are you really going to do you seriously hope to do that? You need your mic. Yes, we do. We have various meetings set up to try and deal with that. Wow. Good luck. Okay, fine. Um, second point then, on the, I suppose you're going to say this is easy as well, but really, starting on page 358, you have the action plan for meeting the deficiency. Um, have we really got the, the capacity to do this? How are we going to go through this myriad of recommendations? It looks like a massive amount of work. Um, are you confident you can do it? Well, I think this is an aspiration. This is what we hope to achieve and certainly what we are working towards. Uh, uh, this uh, this um, paper, and it's, I think uh, Councillor Wells has correctly described it, um, it, it, it's not a strategy in the sense of, of its objectives and its timescales. It is, a, it is a, a, a list of the facilities we have. Now, that is very important in terms of the discussion that we will try and have with the national bodies. Um, and uh, 6.4, basically, is a summary, uh, having gone through what we do have in terms of what we don't have. And it's, it's right that we're aware of that. It's right that, as part of our local plan, that we're aware of that. It's right that in discussion with um, developers and potential 106 arrangements that we're aware of that. So um, there will be a phase two to this um, strategy, which is to um, more specifically define uh, the objectives and, if possible, the timetable to, uh, to take our sport forward, because it is, you know, it is a very clear objective of the Council um, to get more people into leisure activities, and it's not just, and I'm very conscious of the lady sitting at the back, it's not just about rugger, cricket and football, uh, it is about leisure in its broadest sense, and um, we need to be aware of that. We need to get people out, moving uh, and participating. If they want to be Olympic sports people, that's brilliant and we'll try and help them. If they want to be serious sports people, that's great. If they just want to um, be uh, getting their, their um, 
cardiac movement uh, uh, a little more than being sedentary, then I think that's good too. So I think we need to put it in the context of, of, of what else needs to happen. But your points are well made. We take them, we take them on board. Any other comments? Councillor Dean. From what I'm hearing, this is uh, a, a much larger version, a much larger document, but, but a bit similar to the, the one-page corporate plan that we were looking, after, looking at earlier, that it sets broad aspirations, but it hasn't actually got any de detailed deliverables, and that, that, that's, that work still to be done. Um, so there is a, I mean, I mean, maybe it's, you know, it's more of a, it sounds to me from what I'm hearing, and I don't profess to have read it, that it's more of a wish list rather than a, a thing, things that will happen. Um, and I, I just wonder whether it, whether it warrants the names sports strategy at this, at this time. Uh, well, I, I think it's all I think about it, the impression that it gives outside, you know, that people might, might say, oh, I'm on this list, therefore it's going to happen, isn't it? But, uh, but if that's not the case, then they'll, they'll be misled. We could have an extensive discussion about whether the term strategy is appropriate. It's not a wish list. Uh, it's certainly not a wish list. It's a very detailed um, summary of uh, the facilities within uh, Uttlesford and um, some of the aspirations of the sports clubs. So the next phase, uh, obviously, uh, as far as this is concerned, is how do we take that forward in terms of delivering um, some of the further requirements? We have a, a, we have a tremendous range of sports facilities in, in Uttlesford, and that's great. And there's high uh, sport participation in Uttlesford, which is also great. Um, uh, and this document um, summarises that. And, and you need that basis if you're going to be talking in terms of dealing with governing bodies and grants and all the rest of it, but um, you're quite right, it, it doesn't have uh, the, the, the aspiration that we wish to, to reduce chartered obesity, we wish to get um, X number of people out and X number of hours um, uh, recreation a week and that kind of aspiration, but uh, that, that will come in the, in the second phase, but it's a very important starting point um, as far as sport is concerned and the facilities of sport. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounded a bit as, as though it's uh, an audit of what exists with some, and an audit of what some people or people out there would like to happen. Um, but it obviously okay, be helpful I mean, I agree it's read first, the paper. But I agree um, it's the first stage and you have, one has to do that. I, I'm not saying this doesn't have to be done, but I think, I think we're a long way from a deliverable strategy. And I think the only other thing that occurs to me, we were talking, I'm, I just mentioned the corporate plan earlier, and I'm not going to refer back to the exact words, but I know there was a statement in there um, about uh, working hand-in-hand hand or something like that with the army at Carver Barracks, and I just wonder whether you can tell me whether there's anything in here which refers to the discussions that went on back end of last year about some big aspirations that they've got down there for a, a big running track and so on, and, and how does that kind of uh, how, how is that presented in here, if it is here? 6.2.3. Is it? Uh, but in answer to your question, it's an ongoing discussion. Um, the Army uh, would like to create a, um, an athletics track. Um, 
the community of Uttlesford already use facilities at uh, Carver Barracks, and the indoor, mm. uh, sorry, the five-a-side football pitch is 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 very heavily utilised. We recently discovered that they've got a cricket pitch up there, so it's an ongoing discussion, uh, and the cricket uh, club were delighted for that, and, and, and the barracks have offered that as well. There is a basically there's a there's, there's a funding gap in terms of how much it's going to cost and how much money the uh, the army's got. So we need to have further discussions around that. Is that a dialogue that's going on? That's a dialogue that's going on, yeah. It is, is it? Thank you. Councillor Howell. Um, Thank you, Leader. I've I've given up any chance of getting back to watch Happy Valley, so we might as well carry on with this. Um, I I generally don't do the soft stuff, um, and I'm pretty keen on just numbers and things like that. But I think this is an extremely helpful, useful, and informative report. And we keep going back to the corporate plan and the fact that it doesn't really have a great deal of meat to it. But as far as I can see, when we talk about our engagement with our communities and focusing on their health and their well-being, and then when we say how we plan to do this, by effectively consulting with our partners and local communities, councils and the voluntary sector to ensure health and well-being, this report is an extremely useful building block, a foundation for helping us to deliver this. I've been on the council for uh, nine years. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in the time that I've been on the council. And it's, ex- it's really helpful. I mean, there are some, within it, some really quite shocking things. I find that I am a comfortable midlife male. <laughs> and, and I'm horrified to find out the kind of things I am. I don't do any of those things. <laughs> However, and, and I recognise also, to a certain extent, some of these things need to be updated. I know there's a survey on page 101, which I think is our page 419, was done in 2012. And I know, for example, that Samford Cricket Club has changing facilities that are now most definitely very, very good. And there are lots of community uh, groups engaged in our community who do the most fantastic things and engage with local, with young people and sad middle-aged people like me or whatever the category is. But the key thing, I think, is on page 447, where we talk about our, our current needs and what we aspire to be able to do over time. And it's that that has the detail of where we might see where there are gaps, not ignoring the really good things that we have currently, but BMX tracks, uh, their facilities, adult football pitches, these are all brilliant aspirations that we should be endorsing as a council and looking at ways of delivering on. So I commend the paper. I think it's an extremely important and useful starting point for a debate. Councillor Parker. Well, I'm a comfortable midlife female, and I'm evidently not catered for, because females between 35 and 45 and 55 and 65 do not exist in this table. So I'm not sure yet what I'm supposed to do, but I'll, I'll carry on walking. Okay. Any other comments? Councillor Redfern, what are you? Very active. Right. Young female. Um, There is is something else I'd like to um, ask, is how, if we wanted to feed more, this obviously feeds into the local plan working group, what if there's something else we've got that we, that 
kind of falls in the sports bit but isn't mentioned in here. How do, we, how do I... I've had a meeting with um, someone and with officers and there's another facility that we think is really lacking in the district and I'm not sure... I don't know if it falls in this or not, but how do we feed that into you at the local plan working group if it's not part of this? Uh, if you're feeding it into the local plan working group, then... Uh, either to members of that committee or to Mr Fox or Mr Harper. Um, uh, but if it's sport, then it's to Councillor Wells and Councillor Goddard, who's the lead member. And um, we are... Um, the, the, the body that will oversee sport, because it is quite, um, quite a lot of activity in Saffron Walden, and we need to make sure that's replicated in, in, in Stansted in the middle of the area and, and in Dunmo as well, to work closely with Active Essex, uh, and has already been pointed out, to work with the national bodies as well. So we need a, a, an overarching group that is, is um, Active Uttlesford, basically, that has representatives of, of our whole community, of Active um, Essex, and um, where appropriate national bodies, if that particular sport is, or activity is being discussed. Good. Uh, uh, if, would you like to read out your recommendation? I've lost my page now. So you need your microphone on. The recommendation is to adopt the sports strategy, or document as you wish to call it, into the local plan evidence base as a material planning consideration and as a sports strategy for the district. Those in favour? Thank you very much indeed, carried unanimously. Uh, we've dealt with tw item 25. Uh, there is no t item 26, so if you hurry, you might just get back in time for your programme. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.